Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast continues. Our guest today is Bryce Evans and the Black Cats from Denver, Colorado. We're going to talk about their music and their style and what they come to or bring to the table, I guess. I want to talk, though, about my custom-made, handmade acoustic guitar. I named her Margaret after my girlfriend. With the tonal quality of a name-brand high-end guitar, which shall remain nameless, this baby fits my hand perfectly with that mahogany neck Glides easily when I play, but what I love most is that low-end sustain. Well, she was built for me by Joe Mendel of Joe Mendel's Frets. I think it's the spruce body that gives it that resonance and that low-end sustain, but just looks beautiful, sounds beautiful, and all custom-made for me. From Joe Mendel, Joe Mendel's Frets, at joemendelsfrets.com. Bryce Evans and the Black Cats. Who's Bryce Evans? Well, that'd be me. Oh, yeah. I'm that person. <laughs> see, see, this is why I do this, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm really quick on picking up the obvious. Yeah. The <laughs> so rest of the band, Colin Brown and Glenn Tapia. Tapia? Yeah, Tapia, Glenn Tapia. So our bass players, um, he they switch out a lot. We have, um, we'll hire bass players all the time. We just went to L.A. We had to hire a bass player for that gig. We we're working on getting a new guy in Glenn uh, works with um, I think his name's Austin Young out of Denver and he's a blues player. Um, And so that's his main project. So Glenn was helping us out while we were between bass players. Um, So he was kind of my, my stationary filling guy, if you will. He was always kind of around to help us and, um, and, and do whatever we needed whenever we had gigs. But now we found a new guy, and his name is Andrew Roberts, I think. I think that's his last name. I don't know. I haven't even played with him yet. We play with him this week. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's the three of us. Colin, um, me and Colin just got back from a big leg in L.A., uh, which was a total blast. Uh, that's cool. How do, yeah. So you're in Denver. How do you book out west that far? Do you know So people? I have... I have a couple booking agents. Um, and I also, uh, that one kind of fell into my lap really. Um, uh, somebody got a hold of me from the whiskey and they were like, you know, I heard about you. We want you to, um, we'd like you to play. And I was like, well, that's, it still hasn't set in, you yeah. know, um, we played that last Thursday. It's, it's what Tuesday now, Wednesday now. So yeah. I, I'm still in shock. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that was a really cool thing. They got a hold of us and they wanted us to do it. I was like, absolutely. I'd love to play that room. Um, so that one, that was a weird thing, you know? And so I started releasing music um, about five years ago. And I saw a post on Facebook yesterday that said, um, uh, in one year, they laugh at you. And then in five years, they ask you how you did it. And that's uh, I was hilarious. like, wow, that's that's definitely true in this case, for sure. A buddy of mine went to Sun Records in Memphis. And yeah. he stood in the room where Elvis performed, you know, Elvis yeah. recorded. And he said just something came over him. And it was maybe just the awe of being there. Did you have moments like that playing? Sure. Or oh, yeah. Setting up or what? Tell me a couple about of these. A couple of these. So we got there. Uh, we got into California on Wednesday. So we uh, left Las Vegas at like 2 a.m., headed uh, to Los Angeles, California, um, to LAX to pick up my photographer. So we pick him up, we go to the whiskey, realize, oh, we're in the middle of California. We have all this stuff on our car. We have the roof rack full, you know, so we're like, we're in the middle of L.A. We can't necessarily leave our stuff here. So we had to drive all the way to Glendale, drop our stuff off at the hotel and then drive all the way back. So we were all really tired. You know, we we were all hungry. We went down to the Rainbow Bar and Grill, which is Uh part of um, part of that whole complex franchise yeah yeah it's just like a block away but like that's where all the rock stars hang out aerosmith and mm-hmm. um all those guys ozzy and all these people hang out down there so we went down there had lunch which was very cool and that was kind of like the start of things of like oh this is this is the territory you know yeah, and so yeah. after that we we're like well, let's walk down we'll go get some photos near the whiskey um and then we'll go see if they're open and they were open the minute you walk in 
uh, it's like this, this energy that I've never felt before. It was, um, it, you know, the, like right as you walk in the AC is blowing on you. So I'm sure that had something to do with it, but it was also this feeling of like, you are standing in a room where the tons of greats oh, have, yeah. have stood, you know? Um, and I knew the history of the whiskey. I knew the doors were like the house band, you know, and, and so many people have played there that I, I absolutely love, um, and so that we we started like looking around, we were taking photos and stuff. We tried to go upstairs where the green rooms are, and the bartender was like, "Yeah, hey, you can't go up there." And we we're like, "Well, we're playing here tomorrow." And she was still <laughs> like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't go up there." So we didn't get to see that that day. Um, but yeah, that first moment of walking in was uh, it, there's a weight really that gets put on you, especially as a, a performing musician. Oh, I imagine. Um, and so next day we get there. Um, and go up into the green rooms and i was like i had a point where i'm walking up the stairs for the green rooms because there's two staircases in the whiskey um and i get to the second staircase and i go up it and i'm like oh man like who knows what kind of things this hallway of this staircase is seen you know i mean something wow uh, i mean who you know how many times did uh you know whatever (laughs) whatever band yeah do crazy things in this stairway and you know then i i got into the there's three green rooms there so i got into our little green room which isn't the main one um but i got in there and uh the signatures on that wall are crazy um what a place so then we were playing as I'm playing, I had a point. Uh, one of my favorite guitarists is Joe Bonamassa, and he played there March, I think. Um, and there was a point when we're standing on that stage, I'm playing, and I thought, firstly, there anybody that you like could be in this room because those stage lights are bright, you know. So I couldn't see past uh-huh. the stage really. I was like, anybody that you really, really like could be standing in this room right now, and you have no idea because a lot of them go and and they see shows there um, in their free time. And then right after I had that thought, I thought you're standing in the same spot where, where Joe probably stood a few, few months ago, you're standing in the same spot where, um, BB King was, you know, so some of these really great guitar players of our time were there, you know? And I was like, Whoa, that, when that hit me, that was like a, a knee bending moment. You know, I had to brace (laughs) for impact on that one a little bit and try to focus harder. (laughs) Like you're not. You're not that good, man. You're not that good. Tamper your ego a bit, you know. Um, But yeah, it was it's a crazy, crazy feeling that place. And we got invited back. So we're going back. um, That's so cool. Supposed to hear back today, I think. Um, Sometime in November, December is when we're headed back to to Los Angeles. I called it the whiskey room. You called it the whiskey. We're talking about whiskey a go go for people that maybe aren't familiar with. Correct. Yeah. and it's just such an iconic place to be able to play, man. It's so, so cool. I talked to a guy that played at, uh, I think it was the first House of Rock or House of Blues, one of those House two. of Blues, yeah. yeah. I listened to that episode the other day, trying to get yeah. familiar with your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, the, just, man, just imagine the power that has. I'm, I'm having this image of the legends of a thousand ghosts. The weight of the le- the weight of a thousand legends. There we go. The weight of a thousand legends are on my shoulders right now as yeah. I get ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. And that's go. that's what it felt like, man. It's that's, crazy. That's something. Okay, it's so crazy. So so you and Colin have been together for a while, and then you've got a new bass yeah. player coming in. How long have the uh, Black Cats been a group, playing. and how long has yeah. Bryce Evans been playing out in some manifestation? Sure, sure. So um, this group is actually fairly new. Um, and the fact that we've achieved what we have in uh, two years is crazy. Uh-huh. So so we've been going for for two years now, um, and it just hit our two-year mark. Our two-year mark was July. So in a matter of basically a year, really, we were able to hit the whiskey lineup. Um, I think so far we've been on seven different states uh, yeah. for our tour this year. So, like, I mean, a whole one year, I'm baffled. You know, I, I never thought that we would get this far in a year. It's it's amazing. Um so that's kind of that band. And then me and Colin have been playing together five years now, I think. Right? Right around the time the um a couple years before the pandemic is when we uh-huh. started playing together. We had another band. I stopped that band because I wanted to do my own thing. Um, and that's when I started releasing music, really, which is now what we play all the time. Uh so that was a good decision, really. Um Colin's an amazing drummer. He's probably the best drummer I've ever had the uh the honor of playing with. He's a maddening musician. Um, uh-huh. 
And then I've been playing for 20, it's going to be 23 years in November now. You're kidding. Long, yeah, long time. I've been playing out since I was 13, somewhere in there. Yeah. 29 now. So 16 years. Good long yeah, while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what got you into guitar? What got you into music? Or have you always, oh, are sure. you from a music family or did you just grow um, up listening to good, good old rock and roll or what? Yeah, you know, kind of to to some extent. So my dad played guitar, um, still does, and uh, he never got to the level that I got to, uh, uh-huh. or that I'm at now. <clears throat> but it was definitely my dad that started it all, um, and he loved Eric Clapton. And back in the days of CDs, you know, in the early 2000s, he had all the box sets, he had uh-huh. all the um, the live records, all that kind of stuff, and so um st- you know grew up kind of listening to that and, and the one distinct moment that i remember that i've spoken about on many other podcasts um is i was driving to the pepsi center which is now ball arena in denver and mm-hmm. um we were going to see a monster truck rally we're driving down i-25 and he had this old 98 black chevy truck and i'm sitting in the front seat i'm like i don't know six and uh i remember layla coming on from uh the album one more car one more rider and it's on disc two, it's track uh-huh. seven. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know that one, huh? <laughs> and um, so we, uh, he starts playing that. And, and the way that song starts off is this low, like synth rumble. And then um, the guitar part comes in and he starts noodling and doing his thing. And, and I remember being doubled over so I could get my head as close to the speaker. And he listened to music loud at that point in time. Um, yeah. And so it, it was loud, loud for a six-year-old, you know, but I couldn't, stop listening to it and like i just wanted to get closer to it yeah. and i remember thinking kind of it was kind of like that billy gibbons moment of why he started of like what is that sound i need to be able to do that and so um listen to that and that was kind of the starting point of like that's <laughs> that's what i need to do so i kept asking him for a guitar one day i go downstairs and i'm digging through we had a whole bunch of stuff in our basement it was like just a rummage room full of crap you know yeah and i'm digging in there i'm digging in there and i see this guitar case and i'm like oh cool maybe there's a guitar in here and there was and i brought it back up and um he got home from work that day and i was like well where have you been hiding this you know (laughs) (laughs) and he was like oh i forgot i even had that you know so he tunes it up for me i start playing um and then shortly after that i think for my eighth birthday they got me my first guitar uh and then it just kind of started started going um and yeah, I mean that was that was kind of it. I all the 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 blues legends, you know, Eric Clapton was right. was the big influence. Um, Your story as... kind of parallels Johnny Lang, you know. Oh, does it? Yeah, I mean, he his they grew up, I think, in Minnesota. His dad played, and he was big regionally, but he never made it big, you know. Yeah, never yeah. got outside of the state. And his kid started playing guitar at a young age. I remember an interview with him on Bob and Tom's show. It was a syndicated radio show years ago. And they had Johnny in the studio, and uh, it was either Bob or Tom, and I've told this story before, but he says, uh, you're, you're 17 years old. Let me ask you a question. What the hell do you know about the blues? <laughs> 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 but he played, like you, he plays so soulfully, and there's, there's yeah. just so much feel in what he was playing, and that was back when he was 17, 18 years old. He, he was 19, I think, when I saw him open for the Rolling Stones in Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And, um, Johnny Lang, he was, uh, I didn't really know who Johnny Lang was, um, until I was about 10 or 11. And that's when I first heard Johnny Lang. I heard lie to me. me, Um, and yeah, that was like, Oh, that's a cool style, you know? And so I kind of, I didn't really attach to him very, very much. And then when I was about 14, I found Davey Knowles, um, who I actually got to meet in person here in Denver, uh, and I'll I'll tell that story in a second. It was maddening how cool that was. Um, but that guy really, 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 really has such a cool style of his playing. Um, and his albums don't do him justice. You know, I've seen him on YouTube videos before. I've listened to all of his albums now. Um, but when I saw him live at the Soiled Dove here in Denver, I was blown away. I was like, why are you not Guitar Player of the Year? Uh, and wow. I think last year he got number three. And guitar player of the year and Ali Venable won over him. But I was like, that's not, that's not right, man. That's <laughs> personal opinion, you know, but um, Davey's a monster. And so, um, so when I met Davey, uh, I went to see him. I've been wanting to see him for, you know, I was listening to him since I was 14. Right. So I saw him two years ago, I think. Um, 
and I get there and I had been playing a lot of his stuff on Instagram, you know, just like covering his new album because he just released an album and I'm just like playing solo parts over it and whatever and tagging him. And um, he liked it a few times, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool, you know, and I found out he's coming to town. So I'm like, I have to go, have to, have to, have to go. So I go um, get there way early and go to the merch booth to buy something. And, and I was like, oh, you know, do you take cash or card? And she's like, I don't know if Davey's taking cash right now. Uh, I got to ask him. So if you come back in five minutes, I'll know. And I was like, cool. So we go down by the stage and in that venue, you can see the merch booth right from the stage. Uh-huh. So I faced the merch booth. I'm like standing with my back against the bottom of the stage. And I see Davey come out of the elevator. And I was like, I think that's Davey Knowles. So I uh-huh. give it a few minutes, you know, and I go over there and he's standing behind the merch booth. And I was like, just waiting, waiting patiently, you know, and uh, he comes around to go to the stage and I stop him. I'm like, are you Davey? And he goes, I am. Yeah. And uh and i was like davy you're great and once i said that um he this is what floored me he goes wait 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 you're that guy on instagram you're that guy that's been been doing my stuff a lot aren't you you're you're amazing man you really oh, really wow. are and that was like i didn't even say my name uh-huh. i didn't say like he just recognized me you know and i was like wow amazing, that was man. a compliment because he was not he's i, I don't want to say he's um a guitar hero of mine but he's certainly in my top five guitar players, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and our voices are similar. Um, our playing styles are similar. And so to hear that come out of his mouth, I was just like, okay, well, that was a, what a, a moment stroke. Yeah. yeah it was no amazing. Kidding. Uh, and then he ended up signing an album for me and then he went on stage and it was just such a mind blowing show after that. Um, I mean, how could it not be, you know, are you so, still in, you still in touch with him periodically? Do you, um i'm not really you know like i follow him a lot i I like his stuff i keep commenting like come back to denver (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think he lives in ohio or something so um he rarely makes it out west when he makes it out west it's usually a bigger run um and usually he's promoting an album yeah and uh the new album he just dropped is an acoustic album i think in this business in this business it's all about marketing and it's all about networking oh yeah you know absolutely and if you could stay in touch with him how cool would it be if if uh he calls you in a month or two and says hey listen i'm 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 opening at red rock i need you to oh or I'm, I'm i'm playing at red rock i need you to open for me something like that wouldn't that be that's, cool that's funny that you say red rocks that's my goal my goal is red rocks yeah. um and i hit the whiskey you know a couple like last week and i was i well i was driving home from that gig i'm on i-70 i'm coming through colorado coming uh-huh. back and i had this moment of like well what are you gonna do now you know, what's the goal now? Cause the goal this whole time has been, um, once you found out that you got the whiskey, it's been the whiskey. Like, let's get to the whiskey. Let's do it right. Let's yeah. have the photographer. Let's, you know, go get the, the, the great pictures that Michael Emanuel gets. Um, and let's do the thing. You know, we got there, we did it. It was a ton of money, but it was so worth it. And, uh, then, yeah, I had this moment of like, now what, you know? So yeah, that would be a cool thing. I would be okay with that. That'd be yeah. Just let, him, let him know that, <laughs> let him know that and let him hear this podcast and hear how much you pump him up man (laughs) oh man yeah he's great um so yeah you know like davy was a a huge huge inspiration uh and then uh when we were in los angeles so i have this photographer his name's michael emmanuel shout out to that guy uh his company's backstage flash any of your musicians that need a photographer get a hold of him on facebook um he's unreal and uh he's worked with the stones right um, he's very close personal friends with the stones with Samantha fish. Um, oh. he is, uh, he's amazing. He was actually texting Samantha while we were, while we were doing our shoot. Uh, cause we passed this place on Venice beach. There's a sign that looks just like her and he takes a picture and he sends it to her, you know, and I'm like, this uh-huh. is freaking cool. I'm hanging out with a dude that's hung out with, with really big people. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, with, uh, we were, we were riding around and Michael was like, so, you know, what? who's your guitar style? Like, you know, what is your music style? Like, we've recently kind of geared more towards alt-rock recently. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of what's on Spotify is the older stuff. I haven't released a song other than than one this year, uh, which is rare for me. I try to usually do six, one song every six weeks. Oh. And so uh, he was like, but with touring, you know, I haven't had yeah. any time to do that. Right. And so um, he was like, you know, uh, I feel like your style is a lot of like... Um, Philip says Rory Gallagher, Davy Knowles. And I'm like, well, that's funny that you say Davy Knowles. That is funny. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, what a great player, man. That, that he's been a huge inspiration of mine to a lot of different things. Um, yeah. You said, yeah. you said Rory Gallagher. That was one of the first vinyl albums 
that I had in my record collection, not not records that I bought, but when I'd start collecting records, like I really wanted to have something of this guy. I want to have something of this artist. artist. And Sinner and Saint, Rory Gallagher's Sinner and Saint album was oh, one yeah. of the first albums I got, and it was so cool. Let's talk yeah. about your music. Uh, we're going to talk about a few songs, Hurricanes, Rail Line Voodoo, and Sins of a Good Man's Brother. Did you write all of those? Uh, so Sins of a Good Man's Brother, no. That is actually a cover, believe it or not. But okay. it is my best uh, performing song on Spotify, which... No kidding. Uh, which amazed me, right? Because when I, I released that song, it was a song that me and Colin did in our old band. And I was like, you know, that was a great song. People really love that when we did that. So maybe let's bring that back. And I started like working on it to bring it back uh, and just playing it the, the the way the Grand Funk Railroad uh, band played it. Right. And um, now it comes to me. Yeah. Grand Funk. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I was like, well, you know, like this. I, I hate to say this, but this song's kind of boring the way it is. You know, it's it's uh-huh. a straightforward same riff, and then it goes into this little breakdown piece, and then it's like guitar solo the rest of the thing. And I was like, well, the guitar solo part we're going to keep, um, and the riff we have to keep because that keeps the song, but how can I make this my own thing? And so I, like, flipped it on its head, did all sorts of stuff with it, added a section, um, did a whole bunch of stuff with it, and I as I was mixing it, I was in a rush to get it out because, like I said, I tried to do um, one song every six weeks, and yeah. so I was in a rush. I was in a rush. I'm like, I don't have time to to edit this the way I want to. I don't have time to mix this the way I want to. I don't have time to finish this song. It just needs to go out because I know that people are waiting for another song for me. Um, and you know, in this industry, it's so much about like timing and like you were saying, marketing. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a like I released that song when I sent it for for distribution. I was like. That's gonna tank. What a horrible song! Like uh-huh. I, I've never done a bad, a worse mix in my life. Um, I can't believe <laughs> this. It's garbage, you know. And uh, yeah, twenty. I think it's at twenty three thousand spins now. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so my drummer Colin, he was like, he's like, next time you think a song sucks, I'm making you keep it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that'd Great be a good advice. decision. Great advice. Well, let's play that then. I've I've got songs in a certain order, but since we're talking about Sins of a Good Man's Brother, won't we play that one first? Okay. Sure. And then uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about the other two, Hurricanes and Real Lion Voodoo. We're with Bryce Evans and the Black Cats out of Denver, Colorado, the Music of America podcast. And this song is Sins of a Good Man's Brother.
Sins of a Good Man's Brother with Bryce Evans and the Black Cats. I'm your host, Tom Pollard, and the Music of America podcast continues. I want to talk about Jazz Generation first, though. Founded in 1999, Jazz Generation has three complementary programs that promote both live jazz as an art form and a performing art at, as a cultural asset in New York. These are the uh, Jazz Standard Discovery Program, the Jazz Standard Youth Orchestra, and since 2014, Keyed Up, KU, an anti-poverty program offering services that support professional jazz artists in their performing careers while revitalizing local businesses. All programs are intended to develop a new generation of public audiences and performers. Keyed Up is the most recent program. It started in 2014 by starting to rescue pianos that were destined for the dumps. And they position them into these smaller venues like coffee houses, bookstores, things like that. They're known more for hospitality. Then they ask the venue to chip in what they can. And then Jazz Generation covers the rest in terms of in terms of compensating the musicians. It's a really cool concept and really helping promote jazz in the New York area. So if you like jazz, if you like promoting jazz, if you like to hear jazz when you're in New York, especially, check them out, Jazz Generation. So, Bryce, you said your style is more alternative. You're headed more toward alternative now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, reasoning for that, right? So uh, we went to the big When We Were Young Festival in October, uh, and I got engaged there. <laughs> and um, when we were there, it was bands that I, I really grew up with. So I started off with with Eric Clapton and, you know, um, older rock and roll classic rock uh -huh. and then as i you know got into my rebellious phase in my teens i started listening to more alt rock um and at the time that was like three days grace my chemical romance um seether stuff like that and uh i really really love that music you know grew out of my rebellion phase kind of went back to my blues roots uh and that's kind of when when my band started um doing things that's when uh kind of the black cats started doing things i don't know 10 10 years after that phase i guess uh -huh. um uh, even more than that longer than that wow got him old <laughs> uh <laughs> and so you know i um uh we went to that festival and i saw all those people I, there was a ton of bands that i used to listen to there and it's, it's kind of all pop punk alt rock stuff uh, -huh. uh and i um i i forgot how much i loved it and i forgot how much the community supports each other um I'm not one for bashing on a scene, but that being said, the blues scene around here, at least in Denver, um, is a tough cookie. Uh, so? It's one of those things that if you're, I mean, you know, I'm not a bad guitar player. I'm, I'm definitely not going to say I'm the best guitar player, but I'm definitely not a bad one. Right. And uh, a lot of people in the blues scene w would just tell me, oh, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to be in this scene, you know? And uh -huh. so after a while, I just started to realize um, that a lot of blues rock stuff, when I would go out, unless you're, unless you got something new. Uh, and even if you have something new in the scene out here, everybody wants traditional one, four, five. They don't uh -huh. want any sort of a variation from that. If it's not played on a Dobro, get out, you know, like it's, it's a weird, weird it's scene so out weird. here. Uh, and we have a band that uh, Colin used to be in, um, and they went to the uh, the International Blues Award thing uh, in Memphis, and um, they had a decent album, uh, one that I thought they would at least place, and it didn't even place. And everything that placed was all dobro and all harmonica, you know. And uh -huh. I was like, man, like so, in order to make it in the blues scene, you have to be that, and I'm not that. I'm not even close to that. And so I started kind of thinking once we came back from that festival, I was like, there was 60,000 people at that festival. Uh, I've never seen people sing to a song that much before. Really? And so I yeah. thought, um, you know, that's that's what I want. That's the scene I want to be in. That's the amount of people I want to play to. And so the other thing about the blues scene around here is bands don't support each other. You know, it's it's so much about like. Uh, oh, come to our show, come to our show. They play to nobody. And the people that do come that are in other bands, they won't go out and then support the people that came uh -huh. uh, with their band shows. They just, they're like, oh, whatever. Thanks for coming, you know? And, and it's so pretentious. And so uh, I, started wonder getting a, the... I wonder if that's a big market thing though. Cause I hear that in a lot of the, the larger cities, Detroit, yeah. St. Louis, Chicago, New York. I don't hear that so much in say uh, Anchorage, Fayetteville, 
uh, Sierra Vada or Sierra Sierra Vista, I guess, you know, just yeah. the smaller towns. I, I don't hear about that. I hear more supportive of each other. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. It's really weird. And that's kind of the thing, right? Is like Denver has a vibrant music scene. Um, mm-hmm. There's jazz, there's rock, there's metal, there's blues, there's country. I mean, any type of music you want to listen to, we have it. And nobody goes out to support the music scene around here. And it weirds me out because it's like if you were in a small town that has one bar, you know, and you wanted to go see some live music and they don't book live music. Yeah, well, now you got to drive three hours to the next big city uh, to see that. So it's it's one of those struggles me and my booking agent and a lot of other people in this scene that I'm close to have been trying to work on of supporting each other, getting you know, getting shows to grow, which is starting to work. Um, yeah. It's it's slowly starting to work, but it's taking a lot of time. And so, you know, once I figured that out about the blues scene, I was like, you know, I I don't like I love that music. I love playing that music. But in the end, that's not where my heart sits. Uh, and I figured right, that out right. for going to that festival. I was like, I'm that I am still very much so that punk kid. <laughs> uh, that listened to pop punk back in the day. Uh, my band isn't a pop punk band. It's people say it's close to Alice in Chains or Motley Crue. Uh, and I can't yeah. stand Motley Crue. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's like, yeah, you know, it's your, your music's like them. And I'm like, I can't. Okay, great. I think you're, I think you're not quite as hard as Motley Crue, but you're like right on that edge, you know? Yeah. Alice yeah, in well, Chains the... for sure. I could see, but Motley Crue, it just seems like it's a little, a little too rough for what I've heard well, from the, the uh... songs of yours. The stuff that um you have that are that's on Spotify that you've heard is uh that's all the tamer stuff. We have okay. screams in our stuff now. Um okay. there's some stuff on my Instagram and, and my YouTube that you can go check out that has all that kind of stuff in there. Okay. Um so since moving to that, that's when we started getting a lot more Motley Crue references. I get but you. um so yeah, you know, I, I moved into Alt Rock because I thought maybe the scene's better. I started going to alt rock shows around here and the scene's so much more supportive. Everybody that, you know, if you're in a band and you go see a show and you introduce yourself, Hey, I'm with this band, whatever you'll have a show a couple months later and those people will be there, you know? And it's like, right. that's, that's the way this is supposed to work because we should uplift each other. And so, yeah, I started doing it. Um, and that really, when I made that decision, that's when things started to taking off, you know, it was like, we're going to switch to alt rock. We're going to start doing heavier stuff. Um, we're not steering away from any of the guitar work that I do because that's kind of my thing, but we are definitely going to just kind of tilt the wheel a little bit. And uh-huh. as soon as we did that, a couple weeks later, we got the whiskey, um, you know, and so it was like, oh, this kind of maybe meant to be type of thing. So, yeah. Well, I think people like producers, promoters, they're looking for not necessarily the next big thing, just the next good thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And you get there, it's like making a stew. You know, you add this and you add this. And everybody can have stew, but you have a certain flavor to your stew that makes yours stand out a little bit. Yeah. And that's how maybe you guys went from, you know, you added you added cilantro this time. And that's yeah. what got you this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's very much so um, a possibility. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of going with the flow at this point. You know, oh, like yeah. I changed, it's working let's keep making it work and um you know slowly growing slowly slowly growing i think we finally hit 1. 1000 followers on facebook i think last month uh, i'm almost to 1.2000 my goal for the year is 2.2000 by the wow. end of december but that's, it's, that's, that's a big reach yeah it's <laughs> bold another 1100 you know so yeah. <laughs> well hopefully this will help a little bit at least let's yeah, talk yeah. about the song hurricanes now okay sure sure there's a there's a lot of blues parallels with hurricanes and storms and sad and sorrow and crying and so on and mm-hmm. so forth so i went through a depressive state when i wrote that song i wrote that song in like 2017 2018 i recorded it with my old band that's actually my old band uh, uh-huh. but because i wrote it uh colin's playing drums on that one and his dad was actually playing bass on that song and um oh wow you know, when I when I stopped that band, I was like, you guys care if I release this under my name? They're like, no, you know, just give us credit. So I did that. Uh, and it, it was really about um, getting through those mental hurricanes that we all have hurdles yeah. with. Right. I don't care who you are. At some point in your life, you deal with with sadness and sorrow. And, and um, most of us go through some sort of state of depression. Um, and everybody deals with, you know, with uh, that, that point in life where it's hard to just keep pushing and keep moving forward. And so um, 
the chorus with the whole hey help me out thing uh-huh. um that's that's exactly what it's saying it's uh it's uh, i mean to use the song uh what might be a whisper this is my shout you know uh what really? sounds to you like a whisper or however it goes <laughs> you'd think i know those lyrics but <laughs> um so yeah you know that that was what it was really about was like you know we all go through this and a lot of us don't want to admit it because for so long that was looked at as a weakness, you know, and now that that culture is changing around mental health, right. um, it's a much different world, but it, it was one of those things like so many people still feel that still feel that taboo of like, Oh, I'm weak. If I'm, if I'm mentally ill uh, or depressed or anything like that. Um, and so I, when I wrote that, it was so much about like, you know, yeah, you you could meet somebody that might look fine. And most of the people that are really struggling, use Robin Williams for an example, you know. He was oh, yeah. like one of the funniest dudes on the planet. But that yeah. guy had a, a hell of a life, you know, a, a horribly depressive life. And that's, in the end, I, I believe what ended up, you know, really kind of doing him in. Um, so, yeah, Hurricanes is one of those special songs. Um, it's hard to play in venues because it is, it's softer, you know, and uh, right. you're trying to build a name for yourself. You want them to remember you. So you have to go out there with all the heavy hitting um, hard stuff that you can get in their face and make them wanting more. Right. And then, you know, down the road, when we get to those two hour sets where people are were headlining, uh, you know, places like the whiskey, um, that's when we can uh, certainly, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to play this one and slow it down a little bit because we're not trying to build that brand anymore. It's already built. Yeah. But yeah, we haven't played that song in a few months now. Uh, we were playing that song quite regularly and we stopped ever since we kind of started incorporating harder stuff. Cause we were like, well, this stuff's frankly better and it catches attention more, um, yeah. but hurricanes. Yeah. Great, great song. Um, definitely one that that's a, a special one to me. That's, that's for sure. Well, we're going to play it and we're going to listen to it. Sounds and good. we're going to see what we think about, uh, I, I think what you're what you're doing here is wonderful. I think what happens with artists, especially that go through depression, go through mental health issues, and it's different depths, different heights. But I think that's where a lot of creativity comes from. And then oh, you're yeah. able to share your life experience through music, through expression, without necessarily saying, "Hey, here's what happened in my life." But this is this is what came out of that, and then you share that with people, and it, I think that's what makes a song. A, goes from a good song to a really good song or a good song to a great song is how much of you you put into it yeah absolutely yeah. that's so true so many great songs have been made because people are depressed or they got broken up with or <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's amazing what comes out of the bad things in life <laughs> like no you can get some really good things we're gonna listen to it we're with the bryce bryce evans and the black cats from denver colorado and a song called hurricanes
Hurricanes, Bryce Evans, the Black Cats, Denver, Colorado. And we're going to talk to Bryce a little bit more after I talk to you about another place in Colorado, B. Normus Productions. They've been producing and recording music and videos for over 20 years. After years as a performer, the owner, Van Verhoeven, decided to get back to that which he loves the most, and that's production. After tutelage under Jordan Valeria, he opened up his own place in Millican, Colorado. High-end instruments, high-end tools on hand to make your sound compete with some of your favorite records. He has one goal in mind, and that's for you to look and sound as pro as possible. So go make some records, go make some videos, but check them out. Be Normous Productions. They're on Facebook and at BeNormousProductions.com. That's B, the letter B, Normous. Where do you record, Bryce? Do you travel yeah, around the you, country or that's funny that you say that because i was just uh i was like i've never heard of this place now i have to look it up so i'm writing that down oh. right now oh, okay. um so that's a recording studio up in millican up in that's millican awesome. yeah he he tells the story uh actually in a podcast later th- or earlier this week yeah so like we're recording now but we're going to be broadcasting next week i think right and he'll you'll hear the story about that. But. Oh, cool, cool. I'm definitely gonna listen to that one. Yeah. Um I that's not far from me. I live in Longmont, so oh that's my gosh. Yeah, it's an right hour by. from there. Yeah, 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 not that far. Uh that's awesome. So yeah, to answer your question, um I usually record at my house. A little bit of backstory on a different song that is yet to be released, uh, because I'm I'm holding on to it. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm holding on to it. <laughs> so I had I I did this song, I finished this song uh right around june of 2021 and it's called no love from you to me right and at that point it was kind of it wasn't the height of the pandemic but we were still in the pandemic and um if you know who kevin shirley is uh he's produced um he's joe bonamassa's current producer uh he's produced uh oh god deep purple uh journey Wow. Uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, I mean, some of the greats, you know, and some of his record, like his sound personally, I I love his sound. And so during the pandemic, he put out this thing and it was like, I'm looking for, um, for people to, to mix their songs. Uh, I, I can't remember what he called it. It was like the pandemic sessions or something, you know? And I was <laughs> like, well, you're one of my favorite producers. So why not give this a shot? I just finished this song. So I finished the song I uh, email him and he's like, yeah, Bryce, you know, here's the price. I'd love to mix your song for you. I'm like, oh, that's freaking cool. You know? <laughs> I didn't think he would say yes. I was like, no way, no way. I'm going to be that good. Uh, and he did. He took it on. And so um, sent him. I had to down mix the song. I'd already mixed it. It was it was almost ready for mastering at this point, you know, and I was yeah. like, OK, almost done. Going to release it. Going to release it. And that happened. And I was like, well, damn, I guess I got to go and. uh I guess I have to go and and down mix this song so I can give him all the fresh stems. And so I did that. I did everything he asked um, and I got it to him, took him a few weeks. And this is when I learned a very valuable lesson. Uh, So (laughs) I got him all the songs. uh, I paid him up, you know, and he got me the mix back and he was like, yeah, um, you know, let me know what you think. And I'm like, cool. And so at this point, he was in Australia, right? So it was 10 o'clock here. It's like 8 a.m. down there or whatever. Right. And so uh, I was just getting ready to go to bed. Now, a little bit of backstory there. So right when I sent him those stems, two weeks later, I got injured. I ruptured my distal bicep tendon on my right arm. So I couldn't play. Oh. Uh, I had to have surgery. It was it was a nightmare. I was, I was out of the game for about a year total. Um, so it was one of those things. I just sent my, my song to one of my favorite producers. Things are going great. I had just gotten my guitar sponsorship before then, and now I can't play, you know? So it was, it was dead. It was horrible. So 10 o'clock that night, he sends me the mix. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm in so much pain, you know? Um, and I listened to it. I'm like, wow, that's really good. There's just some things that I want to change, but I'm going to go to sleep. I'll wake up in the morning with fresh ears, re-listen, send him an email, let him know what I want changed. So in my studio and, and in a lot of other home studios and even in some more professional studios, um, you can call what's saving the mix in the box. And so that's basically saving it to your hard drive, your computer. You can pull it up, come back to it whenever you want. Uh-huh. And so uh, I was like, OK, you know, it'll be fine. He'll do that. I'll come back tomorrow. Tell him what I want. He'll pull it back up. It'll be great. Well, I, I knew that Kevin use, um, uses a SSL rupert nev console it's an ssl 9000 it's like a 
70 some odd thousand dollar mixing console um wow. it's insane <laughs> but that's that's where you get the sound i mean the ssls yeah. are they're legendary and so what i didn't know about the ssl is that you have to load every track onto its own track of the ssl and when that happens you're taking up landscape and so you can't move until the mix is finished and you export it and then you clear the ssl so because i waited so long um he was expecting a, a reply within like a couple hours, uh -huh. you know? And so I get back to him the next day. I'm like, Hey Kev, you know, these are the things that I want to mix. Thanks so much for doing this again. And he gets back to me like kind of the next day and he's like, Hey Bryce, I didn't hear from you. So I had to move on. Um, there's a chance that I can get to this later this week. Uh, and I might be able to just do the tweaks that you want, but if I can't, and it's going to take me too much time. I'm going to have to charge you my day rate, which is $1,500 a day. Wow. <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, there's a good lesson to know. Next time a massive producer wants you to do something, you better do it. Doesn't you matter do if it. you're, you better, if you're, if you're dying, you better do it. You know, and I was like, <laughs> all right, well, that's okay. I'll stick with it. So now I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting on it. So that was, that was like a piece of recording history for me that was insane. And I just did that here at my house, you know? Um, yeah. I haven't been into a studio and for, for recording purposes in a long time, this next, one that we're getting ready to release a one song EP or a single, I guess, and then a five song EP and then our full album later on next year. So we're kind of starting to look for studios. Um, one that's been talked about is Doghouse Music in Lafayette, but I don't really know if they have the sound that I want. Um, Coop Studios in Boulder is another one. And then the other one. I can't remember the name of that studio, but it's it's in Denver somewhere. But now we're now that we're traveling to L.A. and stuff, we're starting to talk about like Sunset Sound, which um, you have to have an invitation to get in there. Wow. But I'm starting to get to the point and I'm starting to run with certain people that I'm like, I might have a way into that studio. I don't know if I will, but, uh -huh. <laughs> but I could try, you know, yeah, so we're trying to figure some things out. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many studios between here and California, you know, it's kind of a pull of the cards i guess like which right. one do you want to go with and and hope so that's you know that's something else i'll be looking into that's for sure that'd be a big that'd be a big coup though for this year to have that on your resume the same year oh, yeah. that you did the whiskey you know oh yeah that, yeah we I mean, were talking about um maybe if we can come up with the money uh getting all the tracks laid out at a really great studio yeah and then getting a hold of kevin again because i have his contact info and going hey would you be willing to mix this album for us? You know, we'll give you credit. We'll do the whole royalty split, whatever. Right. But, you know, if you could do that, that'd be great. And just pay him for it um, and see if he'll say yes. So that would be sweet. Don't know if it'll happen because that's a lot of money for a 10 song album, you know. But yeah, no kidding. But the, could be rewards, worth it. the rewards could be right there. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So the last song we're going to talk about on my notes here, it's Real Line Voodoo. And I have on my notes, guitar. So... There's yeah. something about the guitar work on that song that made me write that down. Tell okay. me about the guitar work on Rayline Voodoo. Sure. You just wonder in uh, what, what do you want to know? I like, can tell where, you all about it. <laughs> where, where did it come from? What, what there was something about it that struck me to write that down. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so it's something that tugged on my heartstrings, something emotional about something that you did. And I, okay. I, I'm, that's all I got. Cause. Okay. Know. Okay. So um, I guess I could start with setup, um, which is kind of hard to remember. That one got released a while ago, uh, but I'm pretty sure that that one was, I took my, I, I'm a, I'm a huge Fender fan. Um, I'm currently sponsored by a company called Kanoni Keen out of Russia. Uh -huh. And I, I rep their stuff all the time. I played their guitars at the whiskey um, like great company. They do a lot for me. But if Fender ever approaches me and they're like, you you want a sponsorship? Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, so most of my gear, most of my amps anyways, are, are all Fender. And so I think that one was my Fender DeVille. Uh, and then I did a wet dry rig where I ran that, uh, that my Fender DeVille. It actually might have been both now that I'm thinking about it. I think how I did that is I have two. Uh, one of those Fender DeVilles has a Frommel mod, so it has all these like nicer highs, uh, more headroom. Um, it has vintage tubes uh, from the 60s in it. Yeah. Um, very clean, great amp. And then the other one I found, uh, which I call Rust Bucket or Rusty, and okay. he's somebody took the Tolex and ripped the Tolex off and painted it red with red house paint and then put a black cover instead of the sparkle grill. Oh, they put wow. some um, 
Celestian vintage G30s inside. Uh, and I don't know what else is done to that amplifier, but it sounds great. I bought it from a pawn shop, you know, so history is no idea. <laughs> so I ran that wet dry um, and recorded that wet dry. Uh, just just ran the song. And I think if I remember right, that one was on my Telecaster. Um, I can't remember. And then at the time, I was definitely using like an OCD pedal uh and probably uh the fabled ibanez ts9 you know so that's um, what it, that's what it was. i just bought a telly i've been searching oh. searching for a telly for like 30 years what'd you get uh one that my my best friend found uh oh, cool. got it for me gave it to my girlfriend to give to me for christmas and and then we awesome. moved back to to vermont so I've i've played the thing maybe five times Oh man, you got to pick that thing up more. God, but I love Telecasters. I, I can't stand tellies. And oh, really? yours sounded like a telly that I've heard that I love because it's got that, it's got a fuller, almost a strat sound, but it's not quite. And that was what why I wrote guitar on there because I thought mm. you had, uh, there was a band I saw here in Burlington and this guy played a custom telly and it was the best Telecaster I've ever heard. And he said it was custom made, blah, 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 blah. That was years ago. So I don't remember yeah. all the details about, well, I don't remember all the details of something that happened last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it was. I wanted to ask you if that was a telly or a strat, because it sounded yeah. like a telly that had some of the character of a strat, but it predominantly sounded like a telly. So, oh. um, man, God, I love that Telecaster. See, so when I, when I started playing, uh, you know, my dad would take me into guitar center and we would buy cables or whatever I needed right. at the time. And I would go over to the wall and I would always look at guitars, you know, and everybody wants a Gibson, everybody wants a Fender, you know, you got to have your staples, you know, yeah. uh, and a Stratocaster is obviously one of those, but then most people want a telly at some point. And, uh, I remember seeing this black Telecaster with a white pick guard, you know, or yeah, Telecaster. Yeah. Black Telecaster, white pick guard. And it was iconic, you know, but it was also like at when I was God, when I was nine years old, that guitar was $1,200, you know, so it had to be uh, a higher end USA or a, a custom shop or something back in 2004 or whatever it was. Um, and now, I mean, those are, you know, six grand, right? So right, right. I couldn't afford that when I bought this one. Uh, and thank you, U.S. government, for your stimulus check. Thank, <laughs> Thankfully, I was in a position where I didn't need that. Uh, and I did the stupid thing and spent it on guitars. So um that guitar, uh, it came out, it's a 75th anniversary edition. Um, and it is, it's called the Ventura series. And so Ventura series, they took, um, the fifties Telecaster Stratocasters fit well, 50s, 60s and seventies. They had three different lines. Uh, and I really love Joe Bonamassa's bludgeoned. It's a, uh, I think it's a 52 Telecaster with, um, a humbucker in the front. And that's what I wanted, you know, uh -huh. and uh, finding one with a humbucker in the front is almost impossible unless you make one. Um, and and one that's like that old looking. Uh, I love relics. I love that look. I love kind of the old road worn thing. And so um, when they came out with the Ventura series, like, that's cool. I really want one. And then they came out with the Ventura road worn road worn series. And I was like, OK, I, I have to buy this. So I got uh, one of the first 900 guitars that came out it was actually a floor demo model uh that i got out of some shop in california on reverb.com and they sent it to me the neck is like a baseball bat you know it's huge yeah. um the the pickups they use in those i do believe are um the custom shop pickups so they're they're a little bit more higher end on the on the electronic side of things mm -hmm. uh, but i when i got that one i plugged it in you know um I don't know if you watched that pedal show at all, but uh, Dan in that show, he says, there is nothing like a Telecaster on a bridge pickup. And I plugged it in and that was the first thing I did, man. I whipped that thing down to the bridge pickup and did like yeah. a big old uh, a suspended two chord. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Like <laughs> I've owned an SG before and that is way better than an SG. That is sweet. So, yeah. And then, you know, started playing around with it, learned a whole bunch of country stuff. Uh, I'm not really a country player. Had right. no desire ever to learn country until I got that guitar. And then, um, yeah, one day I was playing and I came up with that riff in, in real line voodoo. And I was like, that is awesome. And so then I started combining amps and pedals and whatever. And yeah, that tone came about that's on that album or on that song. And I was like, yeah, that I got to record that. That's great. So yeah. yeah, if you want one, you can go find them still. They're Ventura Roadworn series Telecasters. Uh, and that one's a 50 series. So pretty cool. Like 1200 bucks, I think. Oh, so worth it. So good. Well, it took us a while to get to 
what I was talking about. But now we know. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And now we can listen for that. We're going to listen yeah. to that on this song. This is Real Line Voodoo with Bryce Evans and the Black Cats on the Music of America podcast. Seven's Black Cats from Denver, Colorado, and Rail Line Voodoo. Bryce, we're at that point in the show we call shameless self-promotion. So tell us where we can find you, where we can buy your merch, where we can buy your CDs, where we can hear you, 
any shows coming up from September on you want to tell us about anything like that the floor is sure, yours yeah yeah so let's see um September on um funny enough you know touring season starting to slow down so I thought we do the we do the Los Angeles gig and then one of my booking agents is like I can get you shows in Southern California Las Vegas Arizona and then my other booking agents like well we could do Colorado we could do Missouri and Kansas and I'm like guys crossing those plains and those mountains in the winter is tough you know it's not like it's just a breeze so um shows are starting to slow down a bit so September uh we have word of a, a festival that we're going to be on but nothing's confirmed yet so I don't have a date for that um and then really there's it's kind of the same thing we have a couple shows each month september october november uh now all that could change in a matter of a week but as of right now if you wanted to to catch me live best place to to find out where you could do that would be bryceevansmusic.com okay uh, and that'll give you uh all of my tour dates music photos uh go check out the photos we just got you know all those photos from the whiskey they're awesome uh so that's kind of the show side of things. Same with merch. If you wanted to get any merch, that's the same website, BryceEvansMusic.com. Um, oh, man. I mean, that's that's about all I got. I'm an easy, shameless that's, self-promotion guy. That's that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'll have people say, well, no, we got this. And they say, we got this uh, showcase coming up. And then they'll go on and tell me everything about everybody that's there, except oh, for yeah. them. You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's, it's it's promoting you. So real simple. You just go to your website, and yeah. they can get everything, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, my website. I I hired a guy named Dave Rose. He's the manager for the band Lit, uh, which they've they've done tons of huge albums that I think one of them went gold or platinum. Um, so very big manager. And I hired him and I said, Dave, what am I doing wrong? I didn't have a booking agent at this point. And he looked at my website and he's like, your website is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to fix that. So he told me what I need to do. I did all of it. Um, and then he looked at it again. He's like, that is so much better. Within two weeks, I had two booking agents. Right. So I'm I, like, I, cool. Just, awesome. I just opened it up. It's an amazing website. I just oh, thank opened you. it up yeah. and I love it. It's, it's, I do all of that myself. That's no all kidding. on, yeah, it's on bandzoogle.com. If, if any musicians are listening and you need a website, bandzoogle.com, it's, it's great. Really cool. Bryce, yeah. I know you got to go. So let's hop off. I want to thank you again for an excellent, excellent interview. And uh, maybe we can get back together next year when you've gone triple platinum. Okay. Wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks you so much for having me, Tom. I no really problem. appreciate it. That's great. We've been with Bryce Evans and the Black Cats from Denver, Colorado. Join us tomorrow. It's going to be an interesting kind of different kind of show. Dalton Lefevre will be on. He's going to talk to us about piano bars. He plays piano and dueling pianos at various clubs in and around the Denver area or Colorado Springs area. But he'll be with us tomorrow on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America podcast.